you have your Bibles, you can find your way to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Again, I just want to say welcome to you. Um, again, if you don't know me, I'm Kyle Black. I'm pastor here. And um, we just think it's a, a great day to celebrate our, our Savior. And, and, and not that this day, we don't celebrate it anymore today. It's, it's a constant celebration. But today we get to focus in and hone in and, and just bring it into a, a clarity that we might not always have. And so... Today, we, we celebrate that. It's Easter Sunday, and, and it's cause for celebration because he's overcome the grave so that you and, and I could live. And, and I was looking through stuff. We're part of an organization called Acts 29, and there's a, there's a bunch of, uh, about 600 churches in that. When I was looking through some of the stuff, we have an online thing, and, and one of the pastors had, had summed it up like this. He said that he died on the cross. That's us in Christ that he rose from the grave, that's Christ in us. And it's, it's with that in mind that we, we look at this because that's such a great picture of love, that, that God would send his son to die for us, that our salvation was so important to him that he gave his son, that, that he gave the, the best that he had so that we could live. Because he does. He lives in us. He lives. We worship a living God, not one that's outdated or, or not around him. We worship a living God, and that's why today is so amazing. Because in our, in our lives, in the world, it's easy to, to think that everything's negative, right? If we, if we look at news and we see what's happening, everything's negative, right? It's hard to find a positive. Even if our lives are, are, are really good from, from, a world, from a world standard, it's still pretty hard, isn't it? You're, you're still around people all the time, and so it's hard to be excited about something, and, and that's what Easter does for us. It gives us excitement because we serve a living God. That, that he isn't dead. But what happens is when we get stuck in that negative, it's because we, we put things in a place higher than him. We, we put things in the world. We put our, our health, our family, comfort, security, social status as the, as the ultimate joys. And, and while those can sustain for a little while, eventually those false sources of joy are unable to support that. And then they crumble in on themselves. And that's why Easter is so important. The resurrection is the one thing that everything else in Christianity hinges on. Without Christ raising from the grave, then everything else implodes in on itself. He's just another dead prophet. But that's not what we have. He did rise from the grave. And because of the resurrection, in Christ alone, we see that we have life. In Christ alone, we see that we have a purpose in this life. We're not just here with nothing to do. We have a purpose in Christ. And we also realize that, that in Christ is our only hope. But it's all because of the resurrection that that's possible. It hinges on everything. So if you will, follow along. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to read the first 11 verses of this chapter, and then um, we'll keep going and see what we have. So in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you've believed in vain. For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, 
that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. If you will pray with me, and we'll ask the the Spirit to guide us through this today. Father God, we, we read your words, and we know that, that they're alive and active, God, and we just, we just pray that over ourselves today, God, that, that your Spirit would speak through your truth, God, that, that what I proclaim today would be your truth. It wouldn't be what, what I think it is, God, but that you would be the messenger. God, that, that you would give me that authority, God, that your truth would be evident, and that our lives would be changed because that's what your truth does, is it gives us life and purpose and hope, God. God, so we just ask for your guidance today. We ask that your spirit would touch our hearts and open our hearts so that we might truly live as your son does. And it's in his name we pray, amen. So again, we see there, when we're looking at this, the, this chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, the, the entire chapter is, is Paul's biggest defense on the resurrection. He, he spends another something like 47 verses, and everything in chapter 15 is, is purpose is to show why the resurrection is important, the bodily resurrection, why that's important to us. And we see his first defense, we look at verses 5 and 8, he, he shows us how we can be sure of the, of the bodily resurrection. He says he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And then to 500 at one time. And then to James and the apostles. And then ultimately to Paul in his conversion, he appeared to him. And so what he's saying there is that, that we, we've seen him. It's not this abstract idea that, we, that, that has been brought up. It's not this idea, it's a truth. And, and it's funny though, because last week we talked about how eyewitness testimony is really not the most reliable thing. And so all of a sudden now we have Paul saying, look at these people. But there's a couple differences that we need to think about this defense before we can, can move on and understand why the resurrection important, is important. And first, we need to see that, that this eyewitness is, a, is more credible because it's not just a random thing that happened. It's not, they're not walking down the street and all of a sudden something happens and then it's done and you just got to recollect that. It, it's not that type of thing. And that's, that's one way that, that eyewitnesses are, are less reliable because it just happens. But no, if we read further in the Gospels, we see he didn't just appear and then disappear. He spoke with them. He, he, he walked with them. They, they saw him. They touched him. And so what he's saying here is that it's not just this random thing. Look at these people. And then we also see that it's not just one or two. It's not just this close circle. And that's, that's one of the things that people say is that it was the apostles that they came in and stole his body to proclaim that he was gone. You know, but not to mention the fact that most of them ran away and abandoned him like he said would happen. But we see here that it's 500 people at one time. 
500 people. And, and not only that, he says, most of them are still alive. And see, that's the other thing that we get when people look at Scripture and they look at God's Word and they say, well, it's not, we can't do that because it wasn't written in that time. It was after all this happened. It was after all this time. And, and what we see Paul saying is the people that saw him are still alive. Go ask them. So don't take my word for it. He appeared to 500 of them. Most of them are still alive. Go talk to them if you don't believe it. Go get what they saw. And so we see this, not just this random eyewitness. It's reliable because people interacted with Christ. They, they saw him. He ate with them. It was a physical resurrection. And because of that, we can rely on what he said. We worship a Savior that is alive. And Christianity is the only religion that can claim that. Our, our, our object of worship, our, our Christ is living. He's not dead and gone. He's alive. Our God isn't dead. No matter what society and culture says, we don't stand on this out-of-date message that, that hasn't somehow conformed to, to modern understanding. No, we, we stand on the one truth. This supersedes all time. And so we don't get caught up in this chronological snobbery like C.S. Lewis said. It's not that because he's living. If he's living, it's not outdated. It's current. It's active and it's alive. And so when we see this on Easter, that's the whole point is that he's alive. He's risen so we can take comfort in that. And what we see is because of the resurrection, first in Christ we have life. Look at, look at verse 3 and 4. He's talking about the gospel. This is, his, this is what he says the gospel is. Verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received. Again, he's saying that. He's saying, I didn't come up with this. I was taught this by Christ. We see that in Ephesians. I was taught this by Christ. It's what I received. That what? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. That Christ died for our sins. He was our substitute. And that he was buried and raised on the third day according with scriptures. What we see there is we have life. We're not just talking physical life. We're talking spiritual life. He died for our sins. And when we, when we look at that and then we bring in other things like Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we understand that that, that sin, for all have sinned, Christ died for that. Christ died for that. There's no other reason for him to die but to pay the price for our sin. We are sinners. So God sent his son to die for us because the penalty, death, had to be paid. Because God just couldn't let it just pass. He couldn't just say, oh, it's, it's okay. We're just gonna overlook that because then he wouldn't be a just God. It'd be subjective. We like some more than others. That's not what we have. We have a savior, we have a God that sent a savior, his son, to die for everyone's sin so that the penalty was paid. Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And that's what we celebrate today. God couldn't, he couldn't simply overlook sin. But he gave us the next best thing. His son. So that we didn't have to count that sin. So that we could be clothed in his righteousness. His death substituted our own death. And his life provides life to us. For our sins he died, and for our life he was buried and rose again, and both are the result of the Father's grace in sending his Son. 
It's not something that we did. We simply place our faith in him. We submit our lives to him. And if we believe in him, then we have life. That's what we read in 1 Timothy 1.16. It says that Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example of those who are to believe in him for eternal life. If we believe in him for eternal life, we put our faith in him for eternal life. John says it in 1 John that I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know and have eternal life. It's the belief in Christ that leads to eternal life. And then in John 20, 31 again, he says, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we have life because of the resurrection, because in Christ we have life and we place our faith in him. These things are written. The truth is given to us so that we might believe in who he is and have life. That's what Jesus himself says in John 11 when he's going, when Lazarus has died and he's, he's walking in and, and Martha comes up and she's, she's talking. He says what? In 11, John eleven twenty five, 25, he says, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and what? The life. I'm the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. Because in Christ we have life. Not just physical life, but spiritual life, because that's what God's concerned with. He's concerned with eternity. He's con- concerned with restoring us back to the relationship in which we were originally created. And the only way for that to happen is for him to send a substitute, which he did, which was his son. And that he lives so that we can, which he does, which is why we celebrate. The problem is that right now in our society is we're captivated by the wrong life after death. We're captivated by these stories of of people having these near-death or death experiences, and we we think it's so amazing. Look at these stories. Look at what's happened. And the problem is we shouldn't be concerned with our life after death because in Christ we know where it is. We shouldn't place our hope on these things. What's going to happen after? What's going to happen after is we're going to be with him in glory. Eternally in his presence, restored to the condition that we were originally created. It doesn't matter. Because there's nothing that we can come up with that's better than that. There's nothing. We don't need to be captivated with what people say. We need to be captivated with what scripture says that we'll be with him in glory. Secure with him for eternity. And that's the point. This life here isn't the point. It's the eternal life in Christ through him that we do. The proof of Jesus' life after his death, as attested by the apostles, Paul, the 500 at once, also serves as the proof of our life as well. Because he died and rose again so that when we die, We have eternal life if we believe in him, if we are found in him. Death is not final. And that's why we can look at the end of chapter 15 and proclaim with with Paul, Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Because life happens after death in Christ, so it's not a final thing. So death doesn't have victory. Christ does. That's why we celebrate. Because of the resurrection, we have life. We don't just have life for eternity, though. We're not just taken out of this world. When we submit to Christ, we believe in Christ, 
We don't, we're not just, we just vanish, right? No, that might be the better option, right? Wouldn't that have been better? Like, okay, I submit to Christ and we're with him. That, that right? Because then we don't have to deal with this negative. But that's not the plan. Because, see, that's something that's amazing about what God does. Is he sees us in our sin, in our death. He sends us his son to die for us. And then he says, you know what? And you're going to live for eternity in Christ once you submit to him. But, but you're also going to be used for my purpose. You're also going to be used in my purpose. I'm just going to take you away. He didn't need our help, but what did he do? He chose to use us. So our lives just aren't this, they're not just a placeholders until we have something else. Until we have something else. What we see is that in Christ we not only have life, but in Christ we have purpose. There's a purpose to this life. We're not just taken away. And if we're not just taken away, then what are we here for? What are we, what are we here for? There has to be a reason that, that if we have life in Christ and we didn't just immediately go be with him, there has to be a reason for what we're doing here. That's what we see also in this passage that we read. Look at verse 10 again. 10 11. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, what? I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, as, so we can't sit here and say, oh, it was his works that were doing this. It was Paul just working harder that made him better than everyone. I said, no, it wasn't I, but what? The grace of God that was with me. And in verse 11, we see a purpose. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. By the grace of God, I am what I am. We could just stop there and go home. By the grace of God, I am what I am. It doesn't matter what we do. It's God's grace that gives us this life. It's God's grace that then sends us on purpose. It's an act of grace that we have life. And that same act of grace is what motivates us to accomplish the purpose that he's given us. Grace motivates us to live our lives on behalf of God and for the purpose that he's given us because we have a purpose. Do you believe that? We have a purpose by, given to us by God. It's to proclaim his glory. That's our purpose. That's what we see is proclaim his glory. When I was going through all this, I, I thought of this little contraption. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these Little, little boxes. My granddad gave me one of this. I remember that he called it a do-nothing thing, but I'm not quite sure on that, but we'll go with it. But, but what it is, is I forgot. I was going to bring it this morning. So you, see, you just turn it in a circle, and he always tried to get me to make the two things touch, but they don't. And I was that gullible kid that sat there for hours trying to make them touch, bending it. Couldn't even break it enough to where it would actually work. And for some reason, we still have it at the house. But it just keeps going. There's no end in it. And, and I can see him now laughing at me because I was sitting there. It was, like, it was like his way of, if I was being that annoying kid, which is a hard stretch for some of y'all to believe that I was that person, I know. But, but if I was that, he would just say, here, do this. I'm like, that's genius, right? Just give him something, keep him quite over in the corner, right? And what did I do? Nothing. I just sat there trying to make it, having no purpose. And that's what I thought. I felt like it had no purpose. I felt like it couldn't accomplish it. But it had a purpose. It was to waste my time. Right? It, it was there. It wasted time. Or it gained him time with quiet. Either way. And so what happens, though, is that so many of us get caught up in our lives just doing these things that don't accomplish anything because we've forgotten that we have a purpose. 
We've forgotten that our purpose is, is bigger than just living our life. It's to bring glory to God. We have action, but no real accomplishment. We live our lives and we think we're doing something, but really it doesn't amount to anything. That's why we have so many people that, that, that you hear about regretting what they've done in their life because all of a sudden they look back and what they thought was living for God in the end had no purpose because it was about their actions, not about his glory. So what's our purpose? That's verse 11. Whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Our purpose is to proclaim the glory of God so that people will believe. So that then by the resurrection, because of the resurrection, they have life. Our purpose is to bring glory through God through the proclamation of his word. Yes, we go on mission. That's not to say that we don't do anything. We're not those people that just sit back and say, oh, well, God's in control. No, we still go out on mission. We still, we still clothe those that need to be clothed and feed those that need to be fed and, and minister those within the body. But we do so so that when through our actions, we will have a way to speak and bring glory to God through the proclamation of the gospel. The, the, the mission and the ministries that we often associate with the purpose of the church are mere the means for the purpose of the church was to proclaim glory to him. It's not just about doing things. It's about proclaiming him. So we preached so they believe. That's the point of a church. That's why we believe that you need to plant churches. That's why we planted a church so we can proclaim the glory of God so that they can believe those that don't know him, so that because of the resurrection, they can have life, and then they can have purpose. And that's what we see. So what we see in Matthew 28, at the end, the, the Great Commission. Jesus came and said to them, what? All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We go therefore because we have a purpose, and we have a purpose because we've been sent out by our king with his authority. If you, have a, if you have a mission to accomplish, you have to have authority to do that. We talk, we've talked about that in Nehemiah as we're going through Nehemiah, that it was the, the letters from the king that let him get to where he was going. And that's the same thing in our lives. We've been, we've been sent out by our king with his authority to accomplish his purpose, which is to proclaim glory to him. Or you can say it another way in, in 1 Corinthians 6.20. Paul says that we're bought with a price. So what? Glorify God in your body. There's the purpose. We've been bought with a price. That price was God's son dying for us. And so what do we do? We glorify God in our bodies. We have a purpose in our life to glorify God. So everything that we do, we glorify God. This is what all of the, the Christians in the Reformation on, they got that. They understood that. That's why they had the soli deo gloria, everything for God. This glory to God alone. And we need to reclaim that. And we need to understand that we are to glorify God in our bodies. That's our purpose. Everything that we do, we give glory back to him. And we do that by living our lives. And through living our lives, we then proclaim the message of the gospel, which is that he sent his son to die for us because our sin equaled death. And thanks be to God that it wasn't our death that it was his, so that we can have life because he has life. We have a purpose. We must remember that. We must remember that we need to be firmly planted in the truth of the gospel and then we bring glory to him 
and our lives are meant to glorify God. And that doesn't mean that it's always going to be negative and it's always going to be bad. We can have positives in life. But those positives can't be the ultimate thing or then they're just a mere idol and a shadow of the true glory that we need to be pointing to. We must remember that because of the resurrection, we have life and we have purpose, but we have all of that leads to the fact that we have hope. Turn to the end of the chapter, end of chapter 15 if you still have it, or swipe if you're going the technology route. We'll start in verse 54. Paul's finishing this chapter. It says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, that's us putting on Christ's glory. When us perishable puts on the imperishable, we've clothed in his righteousness, and the mortal puts on immortality. We have life because of the resurrection. We were dead in our sin. Now we've put on immortality. We put on eternal life. Then it shall come to pass, the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Christ's victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But what? But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That victory that he talks about in verse 17 or 57 is why we have hope. Because we have victory. If you've ever been in any sort of athletic competition, you, you think you can keep going when you win, right? Victory is an amazing motivator. And this is a victory that, that nothing else can stand up to. It's a victory over death that we can't accomplish, but we get to be a part of. When I was in eighth grade, I was on the basketball team. I didn't contribute because I was that skinny little kid that really didn't have any fundamentals or anything like that. A, a lot of reason I was there is probably because they didn't cut anyone, if I'm honest. We didn't have a B team back then. It was, we're on and you go with 15 and the last seven, good job, right? It's like, there wasn't anything. But you know what? We were undefeated. I was undefeated. We never lost. We never lost. It, that's what I, I don't remember really. I don't, I, when I look back, I don't think about being on the bench or not being able to play. I remember that we were undefeated. No one could beat our team. No one could beat my team. Right? No, and that's what we have here. We have victory over an enemy death that we couldn't accomplish, yet we get to share in that victory. That's hope. This isn't final. Our victory obtained only in Christ gives us the hope to carry on when our life seems like we can't do it. When we get news that there's sickness or death in the family. When we lose a job and don't know how we're going to pay the bills. When someone else is promoted that didn't deserve it. That's why we can carry on. Because we have a hope that transcends all of this. In Psalms 39.7, the psalmist says, oh, now, oh, And now, O oh Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. What do I wait? My hope is in you. And in Psalms 42, the famous one uh, of David says, Why are you down... O oh, my soul. He's talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O oh, my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? What is wrong with you? Why? Because at the end of that, 42.5, he says, hope in God. He's telling himself, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. We should hope in God. He's 
preaching that to himself, and so should we. We've been given victory, and that victory leads to hope. Oh, death, where is your victory? It has none, because in Christ we have conquered the grave. What we see and what's amazing is it's not just part of God. It's not just it's the entire trinity is involved in our hope. It's given to us by the Father. It's revealed to us by the Son through the resurrection. And it's applied to us by His Spirit as we live our lives. We're reminded of that victory that we have. That's why when, when things happen, all we have to do is, is remember the tomb is open. Because in Christ, we have opportunity it's not always equaling the opportunity that we have here. Sometimes it does. But that is just a reminder that, that the door is open because Christ has conquered our enemies. The world has nothing on us anymore. We have hope. Because we have open doors in Christ because he's the ultimate thing. We have hope in Christ when we see these open doors, we realize that it's only in Christ that we have everything that we need. And that's where we go back to, that it's Christ sustaining us. It's Christ that gives us everything. It's not, let's just say we're in Christ and then go live our lives, and then when everything goes bad, we run back to him. That's not it's in Christ we have everything. We have victory. We have victory. But thanks be to God who gives us victory, what? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't have to do anything, yet we're victors. And so how do we understand that? How do we realize that? Well, it's, it's easy to see it now on Easter, but what happens in, in a month, three months, when everything goes crazy? We go back to his word. That's what the psalmist says in, in Psalm 119. Uh, uh, you, should, you should read Psalm 119. I realize it's like 160 verses. But the entire Psalm 119 is talking about God's word and how great it is. In Psalm 119, 81, he says, My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My soul longs for your salvation, so I hope in your word. Because that's where we go to see who Christ is. We don't listen to culture and society and people. No, we go to the scripture and see who he is. We hope in his word because in his word we see Christ. And in Christ, we see that we have victory over death. We have hope because of the resurrection. We hope in his word. Do you? Is scripture the first place you turn? Do you go back to scripture when you need a reassurance in who you are? Or do we go to all the cool little things that we can find on the internet and through Facebook when we can find all these different sayings and, and places that, that might sound biblical, they might sound good, but they really aren't. No, we, we got to go back to the Word. We hope in His Word because that's where we find everything. And then we live our lives as He called us to. Then we have hope to continue in a society that's can increasingly against biblical Christianity. It doesn't matter. In fact, if we, if we look at the history of Christianity, we should be excited because things are going bad. Because it's when the church is marginalized is when it strengthens itself. Because then we have a hope, and we realize it more, that we have a hope that goes beyond this world. 
But just think of what would happen if we remembered the resurrection daily. That if it wouldn't take marginalization to strengthen our faith, that we go back to it. That we should hope in his word every day. Just imagine what could happen if we did that. Because when we understand the gospel, and we go to scripture and we understand the gospel, and we see what God's done for us, we realize that we can weather any storm that the world throws at us. It doesn't matter what happens in life because we have hope that transcends that. It's because he lives that we can face tomorrow. It's because he lives that we have hope. We find it nowhere else but in his word. My soul longs for your salvation. That should be us right now. When we see people saying that we should be forced to accept differences. My hope longs for your salvation. Bring us out of this. But what? I hope in your word. Because there I find what I need to sustain me. Because there I find Christ. The risen Lord. And that's why we celebrate Easter. That's why Easter is such an amazing time. Because it points to hope. Because it points to the resurrection of Christ. He didn't just die for us. He lives as well. So if we truly understand the gospel, then we can't help but praise God in our daily life because we get something that we don't deserve. That's why grace is a motivator. Because we didn't deserve it, yet it was given, and that motivates us then to obey him, to submit to him, because we got something that we couldn't pay for. That motivates us. And we praise him for that daily in our life. And that celebration, if it's truly rooted in the gospel, will only bring him alone to us and through that fulfill our purpose. Because if it brings us back to him and we see in the gospel that it's going to be through him, that it's only through him, then what are we going to do? We're going to bring glory to him. We proclaim his glory in our body. Because that's what it's about. So we fulfill our purpose simply by going to the word, understanding the gospel, because if we understand it, we're going to praise him. We're going to bring glory to him. And then all of that is fueled by grace of God that reminds us continually that we have hope while the world offers little. We should hope in his word, because in his word is where we truly find the motivation to actually live our lives. Because if we fail to go back to the truth of the gospel, that Christ died for us on Friday and rose for us on Sunday, then we don't have any way to live our lives. But when we remember that, that through his death and then resurrection, that we don't have to look for the living with the dead, then we have hope to live. It really is that simple. It's not one of those things that's so simple, it's hard. We just have to remind ourselves to come back to the truth. Because in the truth, we see that we serve and we've been saved by a risen Savior. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I have life. Eternal life. Not separated from him, but with him in glory, continually praising him. 
And while we have that to look forward to, we have a purpose here to bring glory to him. And when we bring glory to him, it's because we understand the gospel. And when we understand the gospel, we realize that while we're here with that purpose, we have hope to carry on. Let's pray.